When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 497. We have a lot of live things coming up. I'm going to be announcing some live dates. Um, it's, I'm going to find holes in the schedule and start announcing live dates. But uh, May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, Caroline's in New York. That's a big one. Um, and then at midnight at the South Beach Comedy Festival, April 4th. And then I believe we're going to Nashville soon with that midnight. I don't know if we've announced that yet. Maybe I should figure this out and then start recording the intro for the podcast. Anyway, go to nerds.com slash calendar. We'll have the info there whenever it's available. I'd like to thank stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, as they do a lot of the time. Um, stamps, you have to have them to mail things because some things cannot be sent electronically, like packages or objects in 3D space. And so we have that technology where you can uh, print matter exactly the way it is on another side or teleport things, then you have to mail things. So why go to the post office? The Internet's here for convenience, and convenient it shall be. So print out exactly the U.S. postage that you need for any letter or package using your computer and your printer, and then you just hand it to your mail carrier, right? You don't even... You can just poke your head out the door. You could put foil and newspaper up in your windows and it's no trespassing except my mail carrier sign. And then you just give them whatever it is that you're trying to mail. Hopefully it's legal. And then that's it. And then you thank stamps.com for providing this, this postal revolution of sorts. Um, we always have our special offer going, the no-risk trial using the offer code NERDIST. $110 bonus, including a digital scale and up to $55 of free postage. So don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else and click the microphone at the top of the homepage and then type in Nerdist. That's Stamps.com. Use the promo code Nerdist. This episode is Jonah Carey, who is uh, a sportsman. I know people are annoyed by the fact that I am constantly affecting the idea that I... Are you annoyed by it, Katie, where I'm like, I don't know sports, but I really don't know sports. No, it's not annoying. Well, you, you sounded sarcastic. <laughs> but I, and, and, but I don't... I, I'm, I, I would like to understand it because so many people like you understand it, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I don't know how to connect with you on that level. It can be very nerdy. That's it for just, sure. I know, I know, and I understand that. I used to shit on sports and sports fans, and I have since rescinded that because... Yeah. It is super, super, super. Yeah, especially uh, like I play statsy. fantasy football, and that's very nerdy. Yes, it absolutely is. And then do you dress up in outfits? And yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, just like LARP. Are you a football it's mage? Like football. <laughs> um, do you cast uh, football spells? Do you cast football spells? <laughs> <laughs> I cast punt. <laughs> um, you're supposed to punt on the third down. Actually, I knew that one. You're not supposed yeah. to punt on third down. Yeah. I know that. I know that much. <laughs> but anyway, um, there's a super smart guy named Jonah Carey, and um, he's uh, he's mem- he's on Grantland, and he does a show on ESPN, and and uh, 
super super nice guy、mm-hmm. and we sort of you know we had to back and forth on twitter and you know matt meyer was like oh jonah carey's great you should have him on and so i want to learn more about these things i want to talk to smart people i don't want to just insulate myself with spheres of knowledge that i already have i want to branch out I want to do what I often accuse other people of not doing, and step outside the comfort zone and try to understand people rather than just be like, "No, I don't know, I don't get it, so it's dumb." Like, so I want to understand. So Jonah Carey was a perfect guy to have on the podcast. Completely enlightening.、Um, he has a new book called "Up, Up and Away." It's out March twenty fifth. It's all about the Montreal Expos. He talks about it、uh, on the podcast, and、um, and a really, really, really fun chat. And I feel like. If you're sportsy, there's stuff for you to take out of this podcast, and if you're not sportsy like me, I still feel like there are ways in. Oh yeah, you'll we, learn about it. It's in. interesting. Were you were you okay with it? Because you're ultimately you're the sportsiest person in the in the podcast. Yeah,、team. I liked it. I'm not a big baseball fan, but I really liked it. But、still. you but you liked it too.、Oh, but、yeah. you could be a baseball fan if you wanted to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I I know enough about it. All right, good. <laughs> well,、uh, maybe you will too after this. The Nerds Podcast number four ninety seven with Jonah Carey. Now entering nerdist.com. So you'll be able to like Fox will show they'll show it on TV. It's super cool. That's amazing. What are we watching? It's a video. Yeah, replay it. Yeah. So MLB's advanced media team has made this thing where they can they will now track the ball. They'll track everything. The、Basically, player. The ball. I understand. I won't be able to indoctrinate you just on the face of sports. We need to like amp it up. So this is like the. Okay, so I see the play. Right. Okay,、right. so they're going to show us. Very、stuff. good catch. You like some more information、good. on this play, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? MLB is going to give it to you. They, they just released this at the nerd conference that I was at last weekend. Look at that! Eighty-three mile per hour, twenty-four point one degree launch angle, three hundred fourteen feet, hang time four seconds. So the guy who catches the、How、ball is running eighteen miles an hour, which is not human, and he's his angle of efficiency is ninety-seven percent, which means he's running the exact straight line to catch the thing, and then he catches it and saves the game. Now. Ninety-seven percent root efficiency. That's what I'm saying. That's not a root efficiency you're going to see at a comic con. That's more. That's more than Katie has talked on a podcast. <laughs> Listen, even though I'm not a sports person, I can understand the value of a good second screen experience. When you, I mean, no, you know, if if sports drives technology into the direction of you know, like enhancing people's. Uh, television viewing yeah. Yeah. in a way that is complementary, but also,、uh, but but enhances. Then、uh, I'm all I'm 100 for it. I'm picturing like a zombie with like 97 root efficiency on Walking Dead, and it's just like he comes over and he just like munches right to your brain. <laughs> It'd be perfect.、It's、Did、good. you say root efficiency? Root route. I'm Canadian. He's Canadian. So oh, root, 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 root efficiency.、Yeah. However, the hell he wants. You mean like root? Okay, yeah, I'm sorry.、Yeah. I was thinking like、Rat、square roots. I was thinking numbers. No, 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 no. You know, it'd be really fun as if as if we could somehow create、uh, filters or overlays, and so when you see the arc of the ball, then you could put like. I don't know, just like horses, or like just some weird sort of an overlay. Just a Pegasus flying. Yeah, just a Pegasus flying. Meow meow cats. <laughs> yeah, meow meow cats. Yeah, make it a rainbow. Have it. Yeah, neon cat. Have it be, have it be a neon cat. Into- yeah, that'd be that'd be perfect. I'd watch. I, mean, I don't see any reason why we couldn't do that.、Absolutely. I mean, that way it could be more inclusive. It、know? wouldn't make me watch less baseball. <laughs> 
Uh, Jonah Carey is on the podcast this minute. Um, it is nice to see you, Jonah Carey. I've been seeing you on the Twitters. I know that uh, I know that uh, you write super smart books about sports, and uh, but also because I think there are a lot of interesting things that we can cover in terms of applying um, applying uh, metrics for sports into other mm-hmm. platforms, other areas, um, and then also uh, you did I say you write for Grantland? You write for Grantland, and then um, and you seem to be a generally affable, you know, like someone that I would say like, of course he's Canadian. He's a good guy. He seems really nice. I have that reputation. It's completely made up. <laughs> what? I'm the biggest dick otherwise in I real mean, life. Seriously. Why have you renounced your Canadian citizenship? Uh, Why are you living seriously? in the United States? No, it's, uh, yeah, we try. It, it's cool. So we're um, partnering up with um, 538, mm-hmm. which is Nate Silver's gem, and he's like, he's got his own thing going on. And so we're, the whole thing about idea bringing metrics to other things, that's what they're going to be going for. We're kind of sister publications within ESPN, and they're going to do it for, they'll be able to forecast the Oscars better. They'll be able to do it on weather, which nobody can predict the weather. Maybe they can on all kinds of stuff. Politics, they've been doing it forever. So, yeah, I mean, that's the hope is just like data will just envelop us all and then we'll fall into the maw. Fucking math, bitches. We're doing it, guys. Math. Listen, it's obvious that that everything is controlled by a secret series of matrix numbers and codes that we have not yet cracked, but they're there. I mean, if math applies to some things by by, but just by deduction, it should apply to everything. We just haven't figured out how yet in this matrix scenario keanu reeves does have canadian roots so uh-huh. do i get to be keanu or do, do i have to be like, like the third like do you mean Mr. canadian Smith's routes like, like routes. <laughs> routes are roots do you could do who do you want to be your well, tank you'll be tank i'll we'll be die. tank oh don't make him tank <laughs> which one's the one who who held out for more money and didn't make it back to the second cypher joey cypher. pants joey pants joey yeah. joey yeah, joe right. pantoliano yeah. i think tank did that too no no dozer those Tank and Dozer were brothers. One of them said, I want more money. He was like a really, like, Cypher obviously was, you know, he's Joey Pants' significant shit, actor. Yeah, this yeah. is, well, that too. He's a not significant actor who's like, give me more money. And they said, Psh, Oh, that's right. And they had to recast him yeah. or just cut it was his a, It was yeah. a similar well, gentleman mean, of color, I don't know, but not I don't, I don't know Joe, Joe Pantoliano. He might, uh, he seems like he'd be a super cool guy. His character, Cypher, right. was no, a huge right. great at playing that character. Correct. Um, but yeah. also, Memento, maybe, maybe he, and I do mean to use this metaphor, maybe he dodged a bullet uh, by not coming back the second time. Uh, what Jonah, are you looking thanks for? Coming. Oh, yeah, you look thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming on the podcast. The, the dodge in the book uh, exactly what you were just looking at. MLB.com. You were just uh, looking at the. Pattern. You literally couldn't look at Chris's face. As he <laughs> that joke. He I stand by the metaphor. It's he a good a, one. You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> I've been wrong many times. This whole courtroom's wrong. Um, but uh, yes, it, it, I, I do recognize. I mean, when we first started the podcast. I used to say, much to the uh, annoyance of a lot of our listeners, sports is dumb. I don't get it. If I don't get it, therefore it must be dumb. And then as we did, you know, as, as we started, uh, as we went down the path of podcasts, I realized, like, oh, sports aren't dumb. I'm just dumb because I don't understand. I don't have an emotional way in. I did not grow up attaching to them in any way. But I do recognize that a large part of our audience really does love sports for all of the nerdy things that aren't necessarily, like... You know, me Mongo, me, me hit ball far. You know, like it, it's. Well, you guys have a guest on. You have a Jericho and these guys on. Yeah. And there it becomes obvious that they have a lot going on. There are meatheads, but there are meatheads in film or dentistry was, or whatever I else. Was too. Just, I was just. Hey, there's no dentist meatheads. I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I was just, uh, you know, attaching my own. Yeah. Because. Uh, you know, look, I'm very self-centered. So if I can't find a way into something, then it must no not one should. must not exactly yeah. or it shouldn't have any value. But I realize that that's wrong. And so, and since you know, I've had people like you know Dominic Monaghan.
Hawkins, a huge soccer fan. Yeah. So he came on and talked about and talked about what they call football, um, and it was fascinating. So it, it is. I can appreciate it from the standpoint of listening to someone talk about something they're passionate about. I do go, oh, okay. I now I'm I'm infected by the passion that you have. That's a, was it. I'm a listener. Um, was it Slash was the one who loves dinosaurs? Slash yeah. loves dinosaurs. Slash loves dinosaurs. I could give a crap about dinosaurs, but Slash was so into dinosaurs. 20 minutes like, talking about dinosaurs. Like, Man, I, I got to tell me more. Tell me more. And so I'm with you. It's the whole passion thing. And, and I feel like, and dinosaurs are inherently interesting, but if he was interested <laughs> in tapestries, I'd be like, oh, wow. I, I grew up listening to GNR and he loves tapestries. I'm going to go read a book about <laughs> tapestries. That's it. So, yeah. Yeah, he was great. I, I really loved all the dino talk and the, all the different music. You know, it's like, it's it's sort of that almost kind of freakonomics to things that are seemingly unrelated. Like, oh well, of course he's on tour everywhere. What does he do with his time yeah. then? Oh well, he goes to museums. Those two things are now connected because that's a way that he, you know, marks all of the time on on, on this planet. Is you know, like that's how he connects everything. That doesn't really explain me because I grew up in Montreal and there was a baseball team there, but of negligible. <laughs> I don't want to say value. I mean. It, it, People were passionate about it, but I mean, the team, it's the only team that has ceased to exist over the last 40 years. They moved to Washington. Every other team is like going along and doing their thing. And Are they the Washington Expos now? They're the Washington Nationals. Now. Nationals now. So they it's a weird have. thing to be passionate about baseball. Like I, Montreal's a hockey town. Even if you don't know much about sports, you probably are aware that there is hockey in Canada. No, I am aware. Listen, yeah. by the way, I don't watch hockey on television, but I've been to hockey the games. And that's, that to me is like, hockey, okay, yeah. that's, that's something that I could go watch. When I moved, I lived here for six years. When I, the first time I went to a Kings game, I'm like, these people are hardcore. I mean, it might be that those are all the Kings fans in the city are in the arena yeah. at that moment, but it was still a lot of fun. To me, I think, and again, this is with limited knowledge of, but to me, it seems like hockey's have to be some of the most insane athletes because mm -hmm. you're moving the entire time and you're wearing a shit ton of stuff on your body and it's fucking cold, and you have to balance the entire time in addition to doing everything else. Like it, it's like the, the, the athleticism is, I mean, I, totally. I, I exercise. I'm a fitness person. I can appreciate when someone – so going and watching that live, um, you know, especially if you're sitting like right up in the glass, yeah, yeah, yeah. fascinating. Oh, I think hockey is the best live sport to watch. I was very spoiled. Our family was friends with one of them. We were just like a normal Milkhouse family, but we were friends with one of the members of the Molson family, like of the beers and they oh, wow. the team. And so they're just like, here, here's tickets. So a few times a year, I'd be like 13, 14 years old and he'd give me tickets. So I take one of my idiot buddies, we'd go down and um, it was at the Montreal Forum, which is like a very revered, like Fenway Park. Yeah. Or I'll just give you the Boston yeah, sure, example, Boston Garden, whatever. And, um, you know, you'd walk down uh, the aisle, and the usher comes up to you and goes, "Hey, qu'est-ce que tu fais là?" Because it's French. Because sure. Montreal. Yeah. Right. And uh, and I'd be like, I, "Right here, I got my ticket, bitch." And she goes, "Oh!" And he walks you down. And oh, Molson! <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's wearing like suits and women in fur coats, and it's like a real to-do. It's like going to the opera back then. And uh, not that I knew what the opera was when I was thirteen. And you're walking down the <laughs> stairs, and they park us first row right behind the net, and those were my seats. So like, you know, other. The sport that I love was baseball, but for hockey, we had this amazing hookup, and it was... Now, awesome. are those technically not great seats because you can't see the other side of the ice? 
I mean, center ice is theoretically better, but you learn so much about the goalie, and our goalie at the time, ours, as if I played, was a guy named Patrick Waugh, who was one of the best goalies of all time, and he won the Cups. And uh, so it was really cool just to get kind of a, a schooling on what it meant to play the position. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. so I so there's Isn't that the greatest feeling though when you have to show somebody your tickets and they have to walk you down. To oh, like yeah. Your seat oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because especially because you know that they say no to ninety percent of yeah. the people. Yeah. And that you have this pass that's going to open the gate and make them go, ah, right this way. Mm-hmm. But in French. In French. Because if you speak English, they're not going to be cool Vanessi, with that. exactly. They're not going to be cool with that at all. That's right. Um, so, okay, so I don't understand why, if you're going to completely change a team's name, yeah. why bother buying a team from another city? Why not just piecemeal it and start your own team? Uh, you're buying infrastructure? Lots of reasons, Chris. Okay, well, let's hear some. Let's hear Matthew. First of all, you're gonna, you can't just expand the league. Mm-hmm. You have to like say, hey, I want to expand the league. They're going to say no. Okay. Here's this shitty team that's not doing well. Take them. Boost so, their attendance. So, what so teams can neither be created nor destroyed, only transferred. Well, they can create teams. I mean, the, <laughs> the, cons- the, con- the conservation the of, of his book is about the Astros and the... Is this the conservation the of the law of conservation of baseball teams? <laughs> or words, you have well, to then just you need transfer a team, them? You go, what league are you going to throw them in? Then it's going to be an odd number of leagues, and they just move the Astros over to the American League. It's like a whole to-do. They need How to is have there a, no sports version of the Nerdist podcast? Matt well, should just, I be just do it. I mean, I'll just come into Tattery so often. We'll do it. Let's do it. Matt could do it. Matt and Katie could do it. Let's do a Nerdist sports podcast. We'll do it. Let's add, a, let's add a fourth podcast to my repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> let's have another podcast where people are like, how come you don't put these up regularly? Oh, God, Sports are so regular. Busy. They're more regular than James That's Bond so... movies. Well, I mean, not really, because <laughs> they've all happened. Fuck you. <laughs> it just devolves. It's just going to... The... Let's play a game called Comment Threads. It's how soon can you get to fuck yourself? <laughs> <laughs> if it's sports, instantly. Oh, instantly. Yeah. Yeah, instantly. I pitched a game for at midnight called Internuts. Which is you grow a pair of internuts when you comment, you flame somebody on the on the trolling. Sure, you know. So we would read a troll post on a message board, and you'd have to reply to them in the best like put down way possible. Oh yeah, but it's it's internuts. like trolls are you can't you cannot they're. You, you cannot attack them. There's no way in. And I think as shitty as like you have it, or maybe I have it on the sports on Twitter, writers. sports people. It's got. Yeah, how's worse. it for you, Jonah? It's the thing the is, because I have this manufactured reputation as being this nice guy, people I, are cool. And, and the thing is that I go after everything in a very objective way. So if I say the Yankees are going to suck balls this year, it's like here are all the stats, here's everything that shows them. They're like, all right, I don't agree with you, but I mean, it looks like but you've listen, done your research. So it's, it's, you're not just some blowhard on ESPN. Oh, I'm still a blowhard on ESPN. <laughs> don't get me wrong. <laughs> But it's not like, you don't know what you're talking... Like, to me, that's what ESPN is. It's just a bunch of, like, retired athletes and one old bald guy going, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, you is bum. That, is that how you see Tony Kornheiser? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a show called Baseball Tonight, which I, I'm on periodically, and that's more just, like, mean potatoes analysis. And yeah, What's it's it about? Not, <laughs> it's about high lie. It's great. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, I think, more less shouty and we try to be a little bit smarter or whatever and some of those other shows do have redeeming qualities obviously Walt Disney is listening to me right now and I can't say anything or I will be destroyed but yeah I mean you know we try to be a little bit more serious about it and we think that there's you know you could do the controversial shows or you could do the straight ahead shows and that's fine I mean the only podcast I listen to every day is PTI what is, is two people arguing? What is the um, is, is there is, is there a psychology behind why you think that some sports 
flourish in this country and then other sports which would seem to have the elements of things like so you mentioned highlight highlight is a fucking amazing cool. game to watch and live. gambling yeah and but i mean very hard to see what's going on because right. that ball is i mean I, I lived in miami my mom's from miami i lived okay. in miami when i was a kid so you know i've been i've been to highlight know before. what the fuck you're talking about highlight it's like a you've never seen highlight I did a presentation on a highlight oh, for school one time. Oh, the Scooby Ball game? Scooby Ball game. Scooby Ball. Now you, I know You sports shame me all the time? Yeah. You don't know sports. what highlight is? I sports shamed you. Oh, highlight highlight is sports. It's cool. You it's a beach go. game, guys. It is not a... Dude, like... You the ball goes 150 die. miles an hour, I think. It's, the ball goes 150 miles an hour. That They have almost no protection on their bodies. They're, they're basically... They're wearing cool hats. They're wearing cool hats. It's sort of like Tron. It's like Tron where they're throwing the... But they have But they have the... They have the... Whatever the implement... I don't know what it's called. But it's like a big, scoop, like a sling, like a scoop, a scoopy ball. And then yeah. it's like it's like a version of death handball, essentially. But it's, it's it would be much more popular. Hey, it's yeah, not a handball. pussy game. You should man. rename that. What? Oh, death I didn't handball. say it was a pussy game. I just you said, said it was it, a beach game. Yeah, you can play awesome hardcore. Have you seen Top Gun? Beach <laughs> trying to dig himself out now. The truth with the highlight scoop. Um, but but why does a game where you would look at that and you go, this yeah. seems to have elements of or or soccer? Like what is it? Uh, there's all kinds of things. I think that there's just certain continuity. So people grow up with certain things and they pass it on or whatever. That, that's obviously a big factor. And sometimes sports are just perceived as being international or whatever. I mean, soccer is more popular now than it was. I'm a little younger than you, but not that much younger. Sure. And, and I feel like, um, you know, when we were kids, it was not at all on the radar. And then the next generation grew up playing it seriously. And then the Olympic teams got better and all this. So it is more popular now than it was. MLS is a somewhat viable sport before it was like completely off the Please forgive me if I'm about to make an ignorant statement. No, go ahead. Um, But I will probably make a lot of them during this podcast. But do you find (laughs) that maybe it's... Do you think there's something almost xenophobic about how Americans hmm. are about their sports? Where they, I think they they look at baseball, football, basketball as like we own those, even though you know you could go, well, the Mayans, you know, and then they <laughs> the had, a, but it just, but just in terms of like highlight is mm-hmm. uh, South American sport, yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, soccer is a European sport and a South American, but everywhere not, except here, ever, everywhere except here, yeah. like we didn't. We didn't own that right away. It didn't come from us, really. So they're they're not interested, or like cricket, or or anything else. Or yeah, rugby. Rugby. You'd think rugby would Rugby's be huge cool. here. Rugby is really cool. Yeah, it could be that. I mean, obviously, it's TV exposure. It's things. If it's just not available to you and it's easily consumable, then I think there's that too. It's funny how demographics work too. Like if you go to Brooklyn, everybody wears a soccer jersey. There's everybody's a fan there. If you go to Silver Lake, it's the same thing. If you go to Portland, it's the same thing. There are lots of soccer fans. I feel like it's this split where if you're just I don't want to stereotype too much, but if you're a Joe Sixpack guy, you might not relate to it as much. Whereas if you kind of consume things on a different level, then yeah, okay, you're into soccer, maybe highlight, maybe whatever. Right. I wonder if, um, I guess the ones that have tipped the most in this country, just like, you know, the big, the big three sports that there really are things, there really are elements that I guess everyone that just a little bit of something for everybody. But again, you know, rugby is such a fucked up game and people get so, (laughs) There's no pads. There's no pads. It's crazy. And those guys are fucking They're monsters. Strong guys. You know, like I wonder I want I guess maybe it's just the, at, at the time when we were sort of doling out in this country like, oh, these are going to be the sports. There just wasn't any room because there were only three networks. Right. And 
now it's just sort of like everything's too niche. It's too late to start, a, you know, to have a whole new nationwide trend. I mean, if you look at basketball, even that took a really long time to get going. There was no basketball basically until no significant basketball until like the 40s or the 50s. And even then, the 70s, it was considered this thuggish sport and people didn't really watch it and it was of questionable repute or whatever. And then you have the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan era and everyone's like, Whoa, and it's a global sport and it's this big thing. So... You know, things take time. Baseball's been around since the 19th century, so it had generation, generation, generation. Football's interesting. Football's this TV sport and this gambling sport. Like, if you go to an NFL game, it's kind of boring. Yeah, I've been to football games before. Yeah, college games are, you know, there's more of the tailgate thing. It's more of the, it's very collegiate, I guess. It's a lot of camaraderie and all this stuff. And I don't know. NFL is just this specific niche. So it's just niche. So I should keep my Canadian No, that's all right. So it just kind of You say sabotage. I say sabotage. Sabotage. (laughs) Sabotage. It kind of depends. Yeah. Um, Also, because when my dad was on the professional bowlers tour, like bowling was a huge sport in Mm -hmm. America in the 60s. Huge. Like as big as any other sport. And then in the 70s, there was a decline, you know, which he had a lot of theories about. Just in terms of, you let's, know. let's hear one. Well, well TV didn't sp- didn't support it as much. Baseball and football got these big contracts, and bowling didn't. I guess. And it, so the money in bowling hasn't really gone up that much <laughs> right. since the. It really hasn't. That's actually. funny I mean, to like, say, though. Even the top the top bowlers on the tour still only make a couple hundred thousand. You know, two or three hundred right? thousand dollars a year. Wow. Unless they get a ton of endorsements, but you would have to be that upper echelon to really get those big endorsements, and so. To you know, to an, a regular person, like oh well, that's a lot of money. Yeah. But up against oh, Tiger Woods just made one hundred and forty thousand dollars at the For you know finishing forty fifth or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. That it or you know um, uh, the the fucking you know one hundred twenty million dollar pitching contracts. You know, it just it's not as exciting. And also, I think that. Um, the sports that um, the sports that are perceived as like oh anyone can do that are there's less romantic there's less romantic idea about that like well anyone can go bowling mm. you know but but actually watching you know someone you, you know uh, with accuracy on a golf course or with you know incredible that guy threw you know the, a really long pass yeah. or whatever well it's only I mean the thing with bowling that I find uh, not as interesting to watch is there aren't there aren't that many outcomes. To the ball going down the alley, especially now, yeah, because the, the technology has made the game a lot easier than it hmm. used to be. So it's it's less about accuracy and yeah. spares and what's going to happen and just like strike, 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 strike. Oh, he missed one. You're strike, teaching strike, 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 strike. me about sports, Chris Hardwick. I can see? tell you a lot about the bowling. Shoes on the other foot. I can tell you a lot about bowling. All right. What what's the bowling scene like in Canada? <laughs> I mean, I bowled as a child a little bit but not much it was the thing is you want to stay indoors i mean montreal is damn cold <laughs> we, like the whole if you've ever been there well you've been to the, we went to the i've been a Festival. bunch yeah, I've, yeah i've been there almost every year but probably not in december or january where everything is underground literally all the malls you're just walking and you can walk five miles or eight kilometers downtown underground you're just there the whole time to you a know. dive bar and a west end town <laughs> come on guys that's good no We're having I'm, fun I'm that's good you but you said downtown underground. What am I supposed to? Am I not supposed to say that? I mean, Kyle likes it. Come you don't on. go to the surface. That's the thing. We're like mole people, whatever. So, <laughs> you know, moving to the states. Even like I lived in New Hampshire for a few years. Even that's warmer than my, just like Montreal is the coldest. It's terrible. So, well, I we've I've definitely. I mean, you know, you, you, if you get into like the Upper Peninsula of Michigan or like Minnesota. Illinois, Minnesota, yeah. it gets pretty fucking. I mean. I still think of Canada cold as like, well, you guys own cold, but but we do have you know there are significant 
parts of the country Fair. that you don't want to be in in the winter. And I don't know why, when there's so much room in the middle of the country, <laughs> why you would live in a place where you have to... Uh, there's better ice fishing up there. I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and I accents. Guess, I guess that's true. Fargo-type movies. Yeah. So what... Um, so what what's what is the sort of math? Just try, share with me some of the yeah. math pathways into. Let's just take baseball. Sure. So, so um, what is it mathematically that you're seeing when you watch a game? Because I assume that you don't watch. Well, before a game. we do that, I'd like to ask Chris a couple questions. Okay. <laughs> For instance, if, if I say someone's got a three thirty three batting average, what does that mean? I that means that they hit the ball thirty percent of the time. Well, thirty three percent. But but yeah. yes, but yeah. uh, but I understand that right. that's a percentage of, and then I understand that. What is so? If I were to say something like a, like an OBP, and I know an RBI means runs batted in, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Now, what, what do you think an OBP is? Um, yeah, you know me. <laughs> I mean, I would have bet all the money in the world that you were going to say that. <laughs> that's an on base percentage. Okay. So that you know that's different from a batting average because there are that more means ways how many than times getting a can hit you get to bra, get on. But under the shirt or hand in the. <laughs> Yes, Underwear? all of baseball is a sexual analogy. So it's not <laughs> just first true. through home. <laughs> so so on base percentage. Yeah, that's so that's that's you can look at how often a person gets on base, you know, cuz not only is it hits, it's walks, you know, getting hit by pitch. Does that, other does, ways that to get does, on does anything kind of percentage in terms of keeping other people on bases or is it just their own like this is the percentage of times that I will hit a ball and end up standing on a base and not be out. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, so what, what so, other... Well, I just wanted to get those basic sort of things out of the way before he comes in at the math angles okay, and good. breaks your brain open. I'm not actually that smart. I have a degree. I went to journalism school. I just, like, <laughs> read stuff. What, there's these people that are up here on this level. My job is to translate the really, really complex stats into stuff that everybody can read. That's where people like Jonah Hill really cracked the game open. Are we going to do a Jonah Power Rankings right now? <laughs> I can't believe Jonah Ray is not here. Terry versus Hill. I know. It's, well, Jonah Goldberg, political pundit. Jonah Lomu, famous rugby player. You've got Ray, obviously. I mean, Jonah Ray. So he'll beat anyone in sleeping till noon. I, and he's, you know. Yeah, he'll dominate. I mean, he's, <laughs> in, he's, 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 he's probably dominating right now at South by Southwest, <laughs> which just goes to show you his prowess. <laughs> his um, on-couch percentage is a really high <laughs> OCP OCP that's good um, the math yeah I mean you you want to take stuff that's complex and kind of boil it down that's sort of the goal I'm a writer like that's my thing I'm not a mathematician by any means so I'm not creating formulas or anything I'm just trying to get it across so on base percentage is a good kind of entry point like batting average was a thing that everybody looked at forever and then it became wait a minute you can get on base with a walk if somebody hits you maybe it's a skill maybe it's not the pitcher is wild maybe you figured out a way to whatever, manipulate it so you can get on base. So what you're talking about is more concepts than numbers. It's how does your team win? So it could be that you're talking about on base percentage or pitching is an example. This has come on more recently. So you probably, everybody has some awareness that there's a pitcher and there's guys behind them who have to catch the ball. But the pitchers were always credited for everything. Did you win the game or did you lose the game? What's your ERA, which is how many runs you gave up in the game? All that was on the pitcher. Now what we're realizing is, oh, we have the ability to quantify exactly what the defense does. So we could give stats that are independent of defense. We could say, well, the pitcher's ERA, how many runs he gave up, was 4.00, but his pitching independent was 3.45. So it turns out he's really, really good. He's just got these crud monsters behind him who can't catch the ball. So that's the kind of stuff we're looking for. It's not necessarily... We're trying to adjust for crud monsters. Well, crud I think, monsters, I think you know, <laughs> you watch your language. Uh, very, very polite. Very don't polite. bring that mare down here to the States. Um, so, well played. <laughs> so, uh, it, 
How often do you see a situation? Because obviously, if you're if you're looking at all these individual stats, yeah. you then have to step back and I'm sure look at the bigger picture and like, well, then how do all these stats figure in with one another? Is it how often do you see? Wow, on paper, this entire team has really high individual stats, but as a team, they're just shit together. It doesn't happen that much because baseball is like the least of least teamy sport of the four major teams. If we include hockey, or even if we don't, if we could just go football, basketball, football, you need an offensive lineman to block for you. Or your running back is going nowhere. Basketball, if the guy gets by you, you know he dribbles by you, then the other guy can go help. Baseball is literally you hit the ball or you don't. You catch the ball or you don't. So it's it's really not like that at all. And there's this whole. In every sport, it's like this, oh, this guy is bad for chemistry, or he ruins this, he's not a good teammate. It's such an individual sport. It doesn't matter. If the guy hits 40 home runs, he hits 40 home runs. He could go around. Well, let's see what A.J. Pruszynski does this year. I mean, I do understand. <laughs> the Red Sox like him. From what I talked to Ben Sherrington recently. We should be talking about the Red Sox. Anyway, do, but they I like do him. Understand, I do understand. Um, I mean, look, I, uh, you know, I play D&D. I play RPGs. Mm-hmm, I play mm-hmm. MMOs. I've been playing League of Legends lately. So I do, I do understand how stats work. This guy, has, yeah. this guy has more magic abilities. He's not as strong on, on, on melee. Uh, you know, like I do understand picking players mm-hmm. that, you know, that interact in different situations and how, to, the, how that sort of strategy works. But for some reason, it only connects in my brain if they're things that don't really exist. <laughs> then, then I can get on board. If it's magic and weapons, and you know, then I can totally understand. But if it's like, oh yeah, a guy's just throwing a ball to another guy. I'm like, I got nothing. I don't know. I it's, mean, I just is wrote... it a lightning ball or is it just a, oh, then I don't know. I just wrote 416 pages about a, a team that doesn't exist, so maybe you could relate to them in that way. The Expos are the trolls or the conjurers or whatever of the sports world. See, if I could start, if I could have a filter that would translate everything like that. But, you know, what I would like to allow you guys to do is just talk some sports, and I'll just see where, <laughs> if I can jump in. And if I don't, then it'll still be interesting to the people who listen who think that I'm ruining this conversation by not knowing anything about sports. So you go ahead and have your okay. typical sports Red conversation. Sucks. And honestly... Fucking gloves off. Like, don't dumb it down for me, even though I'm not going to know what you're talking about. Uh, all right. Over under 80 wins for the Yankees. 80? I'll be higher than 80. You think it's going to be higher? Well, they're 86 and a half in Vegas. That, I'm under that. 80 is, implies that they suck. I, I am think, implying that right now. Well, <laughs> you're literally wearing a Pedro Martinez face yes. over your face. Right well, now. here's my prediction. I'm predicting uh, Ellsbury goes down in the, shoo, in the first shoo, two shoo. I'll just do the graphic sounds. <laughs> uh, well, it could be a disaster season. Yeah. So if you go by... Um, if you go by runs scored and runs allowed last year, they gave up more runs than they scored. Mm. So that if you assume that it's a one-to-one relationship, they should be a 500 team, which would be 81 wins. Yeah. They were 79, basically, based on that. They got all these good players, but they got rid of Robinson Cano and Mariano Rivera and all these players. So they might not be much better this year. So you're not, you might not be, be that far off. We do have a caller right now. Oh. I have a caller. I a question for Matt Myra. You know, just building off what Jonah said about uh, losing Rivera and all those other guys. Matt, why haven't you called your parents in a while? Uh, <laughs> is that actually his mom? It's, is the uh, caller? <laughs> What? Oh, is there, what is uh, Mary? Is this Mary? Uh, <laughs> Even though there's no dial tones anymore. I find that if I call you, Mom, it costs me money. Uh, <laughs> what kind of plan are you Just on? Like what you <laughs> I'm, on the, I'm on the only one in my family that has money plan. <laughs> Fair. So, so okay. So the conversation that you were just having, what was it that you were talking about? So we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the most basic of questions. To how, many, so how, how many games a team win versus how many do they lose? So uh, one of the things I do at, at Grandland, I wrote a column. I write every year. My boss, Bill Simmons, is a big um, aficionado of uh, wagering gummy bears, and other people within the organization are as well. And so I write. He does a, a basketball one, and I do baseball, and we have a football one where we talk about how many wins is this team going to have. And Vegas puts odds on it, so it'll say like, "Oh, the uh, Yankees are going to win eighty-six and a half games this year. Do you think it's higher or lower?" And based on your confidence, you put a bet on it, and then you figure it out. So Matt is what Matt is saying is he thinks I'm that the Yankees. Me under. Yeah, way under. He's yeah. saying that the Yankees might lose more games than they're going to win this year, which is actually a very aggressive call, but not impossible. It could happen. Yeah. Why do you feel that way? I just, I just don't. I just, I, I just think everyone's going to be too caught up in the Jeter thing. It's going to be a big distraction. He shouldn't have announced it. I think he should have just retired at the end of the year. That's going to be all hubbub. Everyone's going to have ceremonies for him towards the end of the year when the games are really important. And I honestly don't think their outfield is going to stay healthy. I love the, mm. the, the thing that I do love about this is that that across every aspect of what you guys are talking about, there are data points. Across yeah. every single aspect. You're talking about psychological data points. Are people going to be able to handle this? Are yeah. people going to be... Like, how yeah. is that going to affect the team? How is that going to affect... So it's, I do understand from that point of view why that could be really interesting because essentially you're trying to... You're running this sort of... Whether or not you realize that you're running this algorithm in your head that mm-hmm. says... With all of these things that I understand about human nature and about this person and about how he affects people and how the rest of the team is going to be affected by that, that is going to have this outcome, which is going to make it lean in this direction. Uh, so that's real. That is kind of interesting to me, but it also feels like politics in the sense where you go, but I don't know. At the end of the day, you just don't. You don't know if the guy's lying or not, or how right. how it's going. Well, that's why they play everything. the game, Chris. <laughs> no, but I think that part is interesting and. Uh, to back up a second, um, the whole idea of studying baseball or studying sports, so there's a, the, the pursuit is called sabermetrics, basically. There's a guy named Bill James who was literally a night watchman at a pork and beans factory in the 70s, and he used to scribble baseball stuff, and now he's like a god to us. And uh, I, my, I got advanced copies of the book, and I saw him at this big nerd conference last week, and I gave him a copy, and he goes, can you autograph it for me? That would be like if I don't even know. That'd be like if Tom Lehrer asked for your record to be autographed. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I got you. And Lucas came in, and, and and like 7,000 other people, and they're just like, Chris, you're the coolest ever. And like Harrison Ford was like, I'm going to give you a blowjob. Really sorry about that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Harrison. I just got wow, done jerking off because of the scenario. Give me seven minutes. <laughs> Um, anyway, so he invented this whole pursuit. And so the idea was always quantifying things, runs, this, that, whatever. But um, I do find that interesting. Can we make the intangible tangible? Can we talk about psychology? Um, this guy, Sam Miller, who writes for a, a site called Baseball Perspectives, which I used to write for and is great, he wrote a thing about team chemistry, about the Oakland A's, the subject of Moneyball. I'm sure Moneyball you at least are familiar with. Yeah, I saw the movie. Okay. I, really, I actually enjoyed it. There you go. And so they're working on that. They're saying, well, you know, we, we want on base percentage, we want this and this, but maybe we can do more than that. And I think that's great because there are wide swaths of stuff that we don't know and I feel like that's valuable to have for any pursuit, whether it's sports or anything, is just don't assume that you have all the answers. Go get answers, even if you think they aren't gettable. And so, that, I mean, that's why I like my job. It's just, oh, cool, I can learn something today. That, that's the best for me. Yeah, and, and there is also, whether or not you're gambling, there is an emotional gambling because all of it's essentially just probability. There's the gap between probability and reality. Mm-hmm. That even no matter how much you could say, 99% of the time this will probably happen, there's still 1% chance that something is gonna fall in the other direction and that's kind of exciting to watch do you do you find that sports fans prefer watching 
like massive successes or massive failures more. I like both. It kind of depends. (laughs) Obviously, if you're a fan of, like, if you're a Red Sox fan and the Yankees do are terrible this year, then you're just there's going to be so much. Why did you shake your head, Katie? (laughs) (laughs) Who would you hate? I mean, it's the Seahawks now, but. Oh, oh, right, right, right. I got to say, you know, my dad, uh, my dad died last year before he got a chance to see his two favorite teams basically fall at the last minute, which were Alabama and San Francisco. Like, my dad could not, if there was an Alabama game on, you could not talk to him. It was a lot of like, what are these fucking rap? You know, like, he was, the, he, was, he was loud and involved, and it was the same thing with the 49ers because he grew up in San Francisco. Mm. He was born in Alabama and grew up in San Francisco. Well, I remember it's still the... Uh, the 2011 Red Sox collapse. That was 11, right? Yeah, the Rays topped him. I don't want to talk about the Rays. That was my previous book, by the way, <laughs> The Extra 2%, which yeah. is lovely, and you should read it. Yeah, I guess read it. It's a good book about a <laughs> shitty talk about the Red team. Sox misery. Uh, but I, that, here's the scenario for that. We had that playing on the televisions at the old, at G4. Remember when the office, where the Tackle Show's offices were on the yeah. right side of the building? Mm-hmm. When the last two people were there were me and Bernardo. Mm-hmm. Bernardo is from uh, Medford, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and we were there super late, and we just stayed to watch the end of this game, and then it, they collapsed, and then we fucking crazy. turned over to the Tampa Bay game, Evan Longoria <laughs> hits that fucking home run, gone from the playoffs in the span of, what was that, like three minutes? Three minutes. Yeah, it was and three the, minutes. The previous thing that had happened was Tampa Bay had two outs... Uh, two strikes on the last guy and the guy comes up and for some background on this guy the guy's name is Dan Johnson he has a shock of orange hair so people have taken to calling him the Great Pumpkin which is the best <laughs> nickname ever and, and he does he's not a good player but the only thing he does is he comes up in these huge situations out of nowhere and hits these huge home runs so 2008 the year that the Rays passed the Red Sox finally they won their first thing they sucked yeah. forever he, they called him up from the minors. He missed his flight. He lost his clothes. He gets into the airport like as the game is starting. He runs to the ballpark. They put him into pinch hit in the ninth inning against Jonathan Papelbon, who's a, a great pitcher. And the guy hits a home run. <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. so, crazy. so like, if you're a Red Sox fan, yeah. this great pumpkin guy is the, like you just fucking hate so this guy. The it's the last. It's the last day. It's the last day of the regular season. Okay, and they're playing to get into the playoffs. This is the AL East. Okay. So what's happening here is the Red Sox, who had a, a nine and a half game lead at the beginning of September, or yeah, Labor Day was nine and a half. Yeah. yeah, nine and a half game lead at the beginning of September. So they just That's have to lot. play five hundred. They're fine, whatever. They go on this epic collapse, and it's down to the last game. And the Rays have been winning, so it's down to this last game. They're playing separate games, and what has to happen is if the if the Red Sox uh, win. They'll go to the playoffs. If the Rays lose and the Red Sox lose, they'll do a one-game playoff. But if the Red Sox lose and the Rays somehow win, then so basically this guy just runs off a plane, wins the game, and then leaves. Well, that guy did it in '08, and then in 2011 with two strikes and two outs, he did it again in the ninth inning against the Yankees. Actually, who the Red Sox had to root for to get into the playoffs. It was this crazy. Yeah, it's one of the best days. Well, they should never let that guy prepare. They should make him late to (laughs) everything. It was insane. Pressure. So. So in in the post mortem, where they're essentially, uh, you know, they're doing the autopsy of that season or the autopsy yeah, of that team. They sure did. What is it that you know? Did they learn anything? Or everybody is it some, on the Red Sox got fired? Or, or is it just that some, so? How does it? How does a team like that? Because I assume that it, you know, what ultimately happens is that a team becomes like a singular organism. Okay. And so uh, at a certain point, that organism went south. And there mm-hmm. just wasn't any way to lift it up. So in the postmortem, what did they determine? Like, what did, did, was there, were there specific causes, or can they just approximate and go, well, everyone had a cold? So here's the thing. Um, 
<laughs> I can speak to this too. There was the fried chicken and beer controversy. This is literally what it was yeah. called, which yeah. is that people yeah. were eating fried chicken and drinking beer in the clubhouse, which, by the way, for 100 years in baseball, that's what people did. But now they're whatever. They're yeah. doing their P90X before the game. I don't yeah. know what the hell they do. Yeah. So it, it became that. But it was really kind of a scapegoat thing. And so my job is to tease out the, the reality from the perception is – Maybe they did have fried chicken and beer, but that's probably not why they lost. They lost because they, their pitchers all got hurt, and they were more crud monsters. They were just going with really lousy pitchers, and so that's all they had left. So that's, that's the thing is the popular narrative is usually not what I write. Even though I, I'm employed by Disney, I, I tend to do – it's a little bit contrarian, I guess. If you come at it from a, stat- a statistical angle, despite the fact that it's much more popular and accepted now than it was, it's still a little bit of an outsider's view. Well, also the idea of – um, fried chicken and beer being the thing is a, a much more delightful yeah. than it's a narrative. Oh, they just had bad pictures. Right. Like, well, that's boring. I yeah. could have figured that out. I and love that it's this other weird thing. No more chicken and beer. Then they blew up the team, fired the manager, they hired a worse manager, <laughs> smeared the manager on the way out yeah. by planning stories about him having a pill addiction. And all that stuff. So they got rid of Terry Francona. Then they brought in Bobby Valentine, <laughs> who is not who you'd want to see in Boston. He's a character. And, uh, and then they lost, I don't even 93, remember. 69 and 93. They were 69 and So they had the worst record in the division after being amazing. For, they had this quote-unquote curse, not really curse. They lost for 86 years. A lot of it was because they were a very racist yeah. team. There's other reasons, yeah, too. Sure. And uh, anyway, so they became really good. They won in 04, which broke this, whatever you want to call it. They won in 07. They were very good. And then after this collapse in 11, in 12, they became terrible. And so then again, it was scapegoating this guy, Bobby Valentine. Oh, everything was wrong. There was a mutiny in the clubhouse, blah, blah, blah. No, all their guys got hurt. Pedroia got hurt. Ortiz got hurt. Ellsbury got hurt. And so I have to attempt to write it. Like you're saying that fried chicken and crappy managers are much more interesting. That's what's going to grab the headlines. I have to attempt to make it interesting, but tell the truth. I am incapable of making up narratives. People so much want to hear, like they want it to be like... uh like that old show Connections where it's like some weird thing. Well, what you got to understand is that they were doing a lot of work outside Fenway Park. And so there were a lot of um, there was a lot of standing water, which created more mosquitoes. And now the mosquitoes were coming oh, in. Oh, everyone, you know, and then, <laughs> I never thought of that. And then, you know, it's sort of like finding these, you know, these weird connections. I yeah. just pictured Java Chamberlain with the black. Remember the flies in, yeah. in, in, in Cleveland? <laughs> I mean, he didn't eat the flies. <laughs> you know, you know, you could almost you could almost write an entire story that has this really weird theory, and then just so people would read it. So at the end, you could go, but in reality, it was that all the pictures got. To, you know, like you give people the story that they want, but then you still get to give them the you know the. the but then you go into the next are. year with the Red Sox, and everybody was assuming it was going to be a rebuilding year, and that's and what the I World thought. Series. And they won the World Series. And it was mostly their guys. I mean, they they made some good moves. Other things happened, but a lot of it was just their good guys who were all hurt stayed healthy. And so I'm writing about the Sox. Well, this will air by the time this comes out, but I'm writing about the Sox currently, and a lot of it is health. And and that's another thing is, well, everybody gets hurt in sports. Uh, well, maybe we could do a little bit better than that. Maybe we can try to quantify it. I talked to the GM of the Red Sox, and we were talking about, well, what are their little secrets? And he didn't give me much, but he gave me a little bit here and there. And you try to learn about things like that. I, I have no medical training whatsoever. There are people who sign players have no medical training whatsoever. But this is an inefficiency that can be exploited. So it's no longer on base percentage. It's health. Or it's, uh, you know, defense has become a big thing. Go stand on this side of the field instead of this side, and the ball will come right to you. Oh, my God. It just sounds, because of the human element, it just sounds like this constant pursuit of potentially unrelated 
things that yeah. it was like, oh, now it's got to be that sort of like, you know, if you're if you go to the gym and it's, you know, the, you'll go through a period where like, oh, everyone's doing kettlebells. All right. That's a thing. Oh, now everyone's uh-huh. doing the bar. Mat. Oh, that's everything. Oh, the, but in reality, it's like, yeah, but if you just did a couple simple things, you wouldn't have to do all that stuff. Meanwhile, yeah. the guy in the corner with the unitard and the mustache is still lifting triangular weights. <laughs> <laughs> He's still uh, ripping phone books in half. He's on a really tall tricycle. <laughs> Y'all are wasting your time over there, son. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Yeah, here we go. Look at me. I'm going to go drink milk. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be really fun to have like an old-timey league where everyone just had to they wear... Do oh, they good. do that. Well, yeah. First of all, you, saw the, you must have seen the Conan sketch, right? That's like one of the best things on the internet. No. They the reenact the thing. 1880s rules. <laughs> so they're playing in these heavy flannels. That he, and, you know, Conan is a big, tall, gangly guy, and so he's kind of trying to do it. And then the, the quote-unquote wives are sitting on the sideline, and he's hitting on them, and, <laughs> and, they're, and they're trying to protect their 19th century virtue. It's like, it's amazing. It's so good. All right, I'll So people do do this. So what... I mean, this does seem to have applications, obviously clearly has applications beyond sports. Yep. Um, so how do you take that information and apply that to, say, Wall Street or weather or anything else? Like, what, is, what, what types of, what types of uh, data technologies are you uncovering with sports that you, that you can apply elsewhere? I used to be a stock market writer for 11 years before I became a sports writer. So I'm from that world anyway. And that's more or less volatile than sports. Uh, way more more and it has i mean sports is you know it's it's a lark i mean whatever it's you try to take it seriously but it is what it is no people's lives get destroyed by their 401k this that whatever so yeah no that's there's more at stake and uh you know you're saying that okay well how could you apply sports and stuff in a way sports was late i mean wall street they were using quanti stuff a long time ago because there's more at stake sports has come on more recently but i think the the common denominator is just critical thinking it's just whatever it is so let's say uh, healthcare for example so okay so we're trying to reform healthcare and there's obamacare and da 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 but it all comes down to quanti stuff it's how can we make this less expensive but we still have this real for profit system so these guys have to make money too so you got to find a way to bridge the gap and make it all work that's it it's just it's meeting the demands of the customer and whoever's in charge of it and figuring out a way that it's all efficient and works. The problem is that sometimes decision makers have different vested interests in the, than the people who consume this stuff, whether it's healthcare or, or whatever. So, yeah, but the goal is take stats, something is inefficient, make it more efficient. Wow. And that's, to me, sounds almost impossible when you have a large number of people with their own interests. I mean, in, it's theoretically all possible if you could get everyone to want the same thing. Right. But you can't really get everyone to want the same thing. Everyone on a macro level has specific goals, and then on a micro level, they have their own specific sets of goals, habits, yes. shortcomings, you know, whatever it be, so that you, which, I mean, it's almost, it, almost in a way, it's, it almost seems like trying to find a unified human field theory of, as well. Like, how do we bridge these macro goals with these, these really microscopic, these quantum goals at the same time? People are very rigid. They have whatever it is they have in their head and they're going to stick with it. So, I mean, we're talking about all this. Stats can be perceived as an ideology. It's, oh, you're bringing these stats in. So, I mean, I don't, I don't want this to get like crazy heavy, but like the vaccination debate. Okay, well, all oh, vaccines cause autism. No, here's all this data that says otherwise. So th- there was a study that was just released that says, if you show someone data that says this is not true, they become more entrenched in their wrong opinion than they did before you showed them the well, data. Well, yes, yes, because it's, it's which, you know, I've seen report. And by the way, 
of the singled out crew, I fell on the get vaccinated side. Um, but uh, I didn't even think that. Holy shit. That just blew my mind. I mean, the word on wow. what Carmen Electra thought or Piano Boy John Ernst is still out there, but right. we haven't checked with them yet. But well, what say, if we just polled 50 single men? <laughs> you son of a bitch. That show was all about data. That show was all about data. Um, but. Uh, uh, Oh, fuck. What was I going to say? Uh, you were talking about vaccinations. vaccinations and and, uh, um, showing data and And then you get entrenched in, entrench in your wrong opinion. Even oh, yes. Me okay. Data. Thank you, Matt. So yeah. back on track. So um, uh, that there's something about us that's more of a survival mechanism mm. that goes back to, you know, sort of, I guess, tribalism of I, it's more important for me to protect my own, essentially, genes, my own ideals. Yeah. Um, whether or not it's true, what's more important is that my own opinion is preserved so that I may pass it on, that I may pass my, my genes on, that it goes much deeper than just people being fucking idiots because you, I'm sure you've been in a million arguments where you're like, this guy, everything is to the contrary and this fucking person is, is now angrier. It's like that maybe it's not, it's, you know, you can fault humanity a little bit, you know, for this, for this mechanism. I mean, I definitely, and my approach to my job is to try to catch people with honey instead of vinegar. I'm not going to say, hey, you're a fucking idiot. I'm going to say, let's go through it and we'll talk about this and this. And I might not even cite a number. I might say like, okay, let's talk about the Okay, John Crock, here's the deal. <laughs> John Crock is a colleague of mine. Watch it. Um, okay, so here's an example. So there's these two really good players in the American League right now. One is named Mike Trout. One is named Miguel Cabrera. They're both amazing players. Miguel Cabrera is really good at hitting a lot of home runs and doing all these things. Mike Trout, he does some things. Mike Trout does everything. He runs fast. He catches the ball. He does all these things. So we have a stat that can take everything that a baseball player does and say, boom, this guy's 10, this guy's 7, 10's better than 7. But people don't like that. They say the stat's made up. They don't, whatever, I'm not into it. It's called war, which is appropriate. And uh, so what my job is to basically say, okay, well, Let's forget about the war for a second. Let's just talk about it. This guy's a little bit better hitter than this guy, but he does all these other things. Don't you think that maybe we should account for that too? And I feel like if you can approach people about whatever the hell, vaccination or, or politics or anything, if you could just talk to them in words and not treat them like they're an idiot and respect their opinion, even though their opinion is wrong, then maybe you can kind of bridge the gap a little bit. That's kind of the goal. Well, I do believe that, um, that once you start attacking, it's point like, totally. and then it's over at that point. Which is why, if people engage me negatively online, most of the time I will just talk back to them like a human being, and most of the time they will be like, "Oh," and then they they you know, like that sort of breaks down yeah. the barrier as well. So it really, it is our responsibility to be to communicate responsibly. That I, I really do believe that. True human strength is not giving in to every emotion. It's, that doesn't mean strength isn't I can beat the shit out of this guy mm. no matter what. Strength is saying I could beat the shit out of this person, but I'm not going to because ultimately truth and knowledge uh, and, uh, sh- and, 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 and growth are more important than <laughs> trying to even verbally like smear someone's head across the pavement. I think we all wish we had that perspective when we were 20, not just when we were four. <laughs> it's like, wow, where was that thought? Yeah, I know. Well, unfortunately you have to go, you know, you have to go through all that stuff mm-hmm. to arrive at the place where you go, ah, the only winning move is not to play, you know, where you have to say like, let's not, Let's not fire all the missiles. On uh, on base, it must be really hard doing what you do. <laughs> well, and 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 
you know, we, there's this group of writers and, or even just people who are not professional writers, but they're kind of everybody engages baseball. I mean, we're all on Twitter all the time. And baseball Twitter is the all-encompassing term. And the term that we like to give to people when they're going too far is we just say, log off. Just log off. <laughs> just go outside. It's nice out. Or maybe it's not nice out. You need to log off whether you're being the person who's trolling someone or maybe you're the person from on high. You're the writer who's being challenged. You're like, you're stupid. You're stupid. Like, just log off. I just, just I follow I follow Buster only just to see him retweet people who are angry at him for, he, hating, for hating every team okay yeah. so so you know when you were talking about stock market versus sports and you said well stock market you know sports is a lark stock market actually affects the you know the the globe affects people yeah sports i mean why is it that why is it that you think that people take such ownership over sports more so than essential survival like what is it what is it that makes a person go that's my team and i'm gonna fuck you know you can't wear soccer jerseys in this bar because those thugs will like what is it about that it's it's what you said before it's tribalism that's all it is i mean oftentimes it's just it's regional like the whole jerry seinfeld thing that you're it's just you're rooting for laundry basically so you know if you have a player on your team and he goes like jacoby ellsbury you were talking about you're a big jacoby ellsbury fan now fuck that guy because he plays for the yankees you know i was never a huge jacoby okay for the record but you're you're a fan of of that team from that region yeah. and, and so that's how it's always been and so like I'm writing about the team that I grew up with the, the Expos and to me it's okay like I like the players or whatever but I remember my grandfather's taking me to the game when I was 8 years old and they're no longer around it's just that's a way to so keep you, my grandfather's in my heart that's right. a big thing it's very visceral so essentially what we're talking about now is this, um, is attaching your your own identity you're yes. attaching your identity onto uh-huh. that thing so yeah. that when someone attacks that thing they're attacking you you're attacking your identity at the same time and you can't it's this reflex like I'm very you can see that I'm this rational guy, but if you say, you know, back when the Expos existed and was toward the end of their existence and people were shitting on their attendance, which sucked, by the way, but there were reasons, there were external factors or whatever, and granted, I was a little younger and a little more erratic, but I'd just be like, you're, I hate you, I hate you, and I, we just internet flame wars because you have to you're protecting your turf you can't help it because you are indirectly insulting my grandfather or, or you even whatever see, you're even, even even outside of sports just the idea of like when when john stewart made the chicago pizza comments yes yes was like chicago pizza is terrible fuck you like it Kinda just is. was you're not wrong yeah I don't. I like Chicago pizza. It's not pizza. The thing is that Chicago, you fucking fucks. No, I will I say this. Care. I have nothing. I'm going to defend Chicago pizza okay. somewhat because the deep dish thing is not really what people in Chicago eat. Like if you're a tourist, you go yeah. to Gino's. It's the That's pie. Not... Like you get the pies. No, they can be like thin. There are thin crust pizzas in Chicago, which are fine. I think yeah. what John what John Stewart is criticizing is is the pie, which right. is. But that's nobody of any value eats that stuff. <laughs> I mean, oh no! It's been reignited. The man who was so thoughtful. Good. It's not good. The, the man who was like, I like to communicate with people rationally. It's just... This you can is, reach Jonah Carey on Twitter. <laughs> it's K-E-R-I. That's right. <laughs> well, uh... I agree uh, with him. Go you, ahead. You do. I like... See, and I'm a person who says... Because I, I guess it's because I travel so much. Yeah. I like all pizzas. I like thin. I like yeah, thick. Pizzas, I like pie. I mean, I it's like, great. You know, it's a like, lot of things all in one just spot. Just shades of, shades of everything. But there has, have you ever witnessed a deep dish pizza or a pie come out of the oven and to your table that was edible immediately? You eat one pizza and you want to die. Too it's just so it's fucking so much. hot. Well, it's also true. way too hot. Yeah. Well, if you go to like Lou Malnati's in Chicago and you get the. Where I've his been is with like you. A, like a pie. Yeah. <laughs> then, I mean. 
It's fucking good, but I can't eat more than one piece without going, well, I gotta go to bed now. Like, I can't fucking... Yeah, it is really... What's happening right now is you're angling for new sponsors to the Nerdist Podcast, and I'm trying to punch them down <laughs> so they don't sponsor the Nerdist this Podcast. This episode of the podcast brought to you by Chicago Pizza, reminding you, pizza, it's Chicago. <laughs> don't forget to enter the promo code WTF for a free slice. Oh, you think... <laughs> yeah, that's the next great the podcast pizza wars. The old podcast pizza wars. Stamps.com. Put BS report into the... By the way, that's good. Well done with that. I'm, you know, I listen to the podcast, and you always talk about Kyle taking... I mean, he really does take yeah, notes. He, he takes really copious notes. diligent about yeah. it. That's really cool. I think that's a compliment, oh, maybe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Good. How often good. do you speak... Uh, do, you, do you go do live events? Um, yeah, so there's all kinds of things. Well, first, there's the TV thing. One thing that I get paid to do, which is amazing, is like... A group of it doesn't happen often, but it's a great gig. Is like a group of investor types. Five hundred of them will be in a room, and they call me in to talk about baseball and how it relates to stocks. And they cut me a check, and I walk away. That's like amazing. Oh, great. That's such a I know. Great. It's such a good scam. It's great. <laughs> um, no, but I, I mean, you know, the usual radio podcasts, all kinds of stuff like that. So uh, this, this doing this book tour thing, like the thing about writers is we're perceived as introverts. Mm-hmm. I'm not an introvert, pretty obviously, and uh, so they're like, oh god, you know. The book is done, and now you got to do this this book tour stuff. No, that's amazing. That means that people, you know, you get to talk to people and have these fun conversations. They might even say, "Oh, I like your work." Or whatever. that's great. I mean, like I'm a normal person with a, you know, at least a little bit of an ego. So, yeah, no, I, I like all that stuff, and and this is by far my favorite part: sequestering yourself in a room and writing 110,000 words about some obscure shit from 1972 is difficult. That's not easy to do. How do you take your emotions out of it when you're trying to write about, when you're trying to yeah. write as, you know, as pragmatically as, like, how do you take all of that? Well, it's, with my regular job, it's fine. With this particular subject where I literally grew up with this the team. The Expos. And I interviewed these guys. So this is all Chris Farley show shit. It's like, oh, remember that time you hit a grand slam? That was awesome. <laughs> like, I, I really have to fight that. And I've been a journalist my entire adult life. But, your brain is firing on here I am when I'm seven and here I am. These are my proper journalistic principles and you're just there at war with each mm-hmm. other. So for the most part, I kept in check. I will say the one time I got really nervous, you'll appreciate this. Um, Montreal didn't have a basketball team, but I'm a big basketball guy in addition to baseball. My dad grew up a Celtics fan, so I was a Celtics fan. And I got to interview Larry Bird at one point. That is the most nervous I've ever been. That was pure far away. Oh, he was really good, and he, but he could, he was humoring me because I was, and I, you know, this was a few years into my career by then, but I was really, oh, it's Larry Bird, and he was the guy, and whatever. So oddly, with, you know, I, I like the Celtics, but the Expos was even more visceral. Maybe it's because I'm a little older and more experienced, but I didn't, I didn't find myself getting choked up. Like I was able to suppress the uh, the crazy emotional side and deal with the pragmatic side. I think pretty well. So yeah. the opposite of me with Lavar Burton. <laughs> you did fine with Lavar Burton. Uh, my question or Kelsey was, Grammer. Oh, if we ever, <laughs> if we ever got Kelsey Grammer, you should. I know he'd be I'm great. Saying that anyone, I know we just haven't been able to make it happen. I've seen him at spring. I mean Daphne at least. Yeah, we can get Jane Leaves right. <laughs> she wants to promote hot in Cleveland. I bet we could. I bet now. we could get David Hyde Pierce too. Uh, I'm on board. You get me, John. You need a roundtable. You need all of them to sit. Around. Oh my god! I want to host would, a Paley. You'd, you'd I want to host a Paley uh, panel on Frasier. I'll grab all the writers and uh, just let me do it. Paley Center. Are you listening, Paley Center? Do they listen? Do they download? Is this on I the could playlist? totally bum you out because I, I could I could make that happen to the Paley Center and then moderate it, but then just get a lot of the seasons wrong and facts listen. wrong. Listen. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> so that violence. So I wouldn't even go because I told you I wanted to do it, and you're like, I'm going to moderate. Miles it. and, and uh, Daphne, you got together in Miles. the second season. 
Oh, God. Miles, what? She <laughs> finds out in season seven. Is she related to Daphne from Scooby-Doo? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. exactly. Uh, but my question to you, Jonah, uh, as, a, as a lifelong Expos fan, yeah. what, did, what did you do after they left? What did you, what did you do? Did you, fall, did you say, okay, I guess the Nationals will now be my team? No, it wasn't like that at all. And, and I think it goes to the tribalism thing. I actually, and it's funny because I lived in D.C. just before, I moved, I went away from Canada, I left after college. I moved to D.C. right after. And then just after that, the Expos moved there. So there was some connection connection yeah. with the area but it wasn't the same so i didn't have a team for a while and then uh by virtue of the previous book which i wrote about the rays i got to know them a little bit i know you don't like the rays um <laughs> but but i so i became but it's like you know you become a casual fan but if the red sox moved to sheboygan or whatever i mean you wouldn't be a fan of the sheboygan whatever Isn't that interesting it is? that i don't it, know it, it is it's interesting. you wouldn't no way it's interesting to find people who do associate themselves with a tribe without necessarily having a uh, you know a familial bond or a geographical bond where it's just like I like that team over there across the country with people that I've never College met in an area that I've like never that. Yeah. so ha- Notre so, Dame or whatever yeah so what's the yeah. tribalism there what is it that people are locking like what did you lock into when you were ready to let another team into yeah. your soul. Um, well, it wasn't, it wasn't the same link. I mean, to me, it was just, oh, you know, I, I got to know the people a little bit, and I found it interesting the way they ran their organization. It would appeal to me on a cerebral level. So it was never going to be the same link. Um, but, I mean, there was some connection to some extent. But, yeah, it's never, never going to be the they same. they will ever solve their attendance problem? Well, the crazy thing is that I, I, these are rumors. Who the hell knows? But people are like, oh, what if they move to Montreal, which is just like this crazy worlds collide. And I've like written these two books and I don't want to write any more fucking books. I need to like relax and be with my family. <laughs> but like if this were to theoretically happen, who well, the hell else is going to write yeah. this thing? Literally nobody has ever written a book about either of these two entities and I've done both. I think I'd like them if they moved to Canada. Well, and they'd play in the ALEs probably yeah. with the Jays and the Red Sox. Yeah. And the F- anyway, I don't want to, I like the good people of the Tampa Bay region and I don't want to dump on them or anything like that. But it's, Oh, I don't mind. So uh, and I will t- okay you know what so this is actually a good example of using data so the rays you know have this bad reputation um, and why did it all happen? Okay, so you look at what the reasons are. So number one, because it's a relatively new team, you don't have the fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. I'm going to turn it over to the next generation. I've been a fan, now you're a fan. It's only been around for 15 years or whatever. Then number two, the previous owner poisoned the well so badly. This guy named Vince Namoli. <laughs> Vince Namoli. How can I explain Vince Namoli? Um, Sounds like a bad pizza chain. He, oh, you guys go to Vince Namoli's? <laughs> he actually ejected somebody from the, a writer from the press box for bringing in outside pizza into the place because you can only have press box of food, approved food. He once had a situation where this elderly couple was 80 years old. They go with the old folks home to the stadium. They get to the front of the ballpark, and the ticket taker guy goes, what do you got there? She's in a wheelchair. She says, I got a bag of cashews. And he says, oh, you can't bring that in. <laughs> and a fight ensues between the husband, who's 80, and this guy, and they get rid of them, and they have to sit on the sweltering bus for three and a half hours rather than going to the stadium. Yes, that was the culture that this guy built. So that's obviously going to be a problem. And then the other thing, which is pure nerd stuff, is where the stadium is located. Forget about the fact that it's not that nice. It's like almost like a peninsula. There's water, water, water. So there are fewer people within a 30-minute drive of that stadium by a factor of a lot than any other team. So even if the stadium was beautiful, you physically can't get to it unless you're a scuba diver. So I'm putting all this stuff in the book to explain it rather than saying, oh, yeah, the people from Tampa Bay are a bunch of shitheads. Here are the real reasons. Well, that, that's exactly Pete. what I do. It's not even in Tampa. It's in St. Pete. It is in St. Pete, which is a yeah. problem, too. The population center is further north and east. So, yeah, lots of things. And so It's a horrible stadium. So you, so you feel like they either have to move the stadium or move the team? They, well, they want, they're talking about moving the stadium to the other side of the bridge to where Tampa is, but it's, there's a lot of sprawl in that part of the country, and it's just difficult, and there's no public transit, and so there's a lot of 
you know issues. It's just I don't think it'd be easy to resolve no matter what. I but feel like you'd have a, a little more. Better. You'd have a more successful that team in like North Dakota. I feel like that would be better. Well, and the thing, about, and this is now we're really getting inside baseball, so to speak. But you're, uh, yeah, I know. But uh, <laughs> but it's 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 become this nine billion dollar industry, and now it's to the point where you can have five people in the stadium and you can still turn a profit because it's all TV. There's these huge TV deals, national, local, whatever, and so every team, even the poorer teams, are profitable. So you could say, well, this team is struggling. Do we need to move them? Yeah. But like the Expos were hemorrhaging money. This team, this supposed downtrodden team, makes the playoffs almost every damn year, and they turn a profit. So you can't really argue. But I can argue with the fact that they're making the prof- the playoffs and they're still not bringing people into the park. Yeah, I mean it's unfortunate, but there's no it's it's just hard to get around that. I mean, I don't you would have to it would have to be different same different location and even then I don't know that it's an optimal market. There's always going to be a 30th best. That's always going to be the case. Yeah. Do you feel like it's harder and harder to get people out of their homes these days? Yes. Yeah. I think that's a, yeah. Well, as we just saw Earlier with the second screen experience, you can yeah, have. Yeah, okay, so, it's amazing. so on Sunset Boulevard, I see this billboard that says, um, that's like. Watch at midnight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ding! There's that one. <laughs> <laughs> then there's another one. There's another one in Echo Park, which says, you know, um, home of the Dodgers, and it's some like. National League net. West. Champions. What is what is, what is that network that they're promoting? So it's a it's a brand oh. new network. And Do they just own the Dodgers now? It's the opposite. No, the Dodgers, Dodgers own them, oh, and so the it. new owners who are these finance guys. So I mean, I, this is all my jam. They bought the team for two billion dollars, which With is crazy B. and had never happened before. With a B. With a B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the point was not oh I like this baseball player. Dodger Stadium is really pretty. It's we can make a crap load of TV money. So they're making from this new deal three hundred and fifty million dollars a year. Only from local television. Before they sell a ticket, before MLB beams the money, they make three hundred and fifty million dollars from this. But will they ever make that two billion dollars back? Yes. Well, three fifty in, in five years. Yeah, six years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it'll happen pretty quickly. Plus, they obviously have other sources of revenue. Now there are some debates about what's going on, and they have to work out a deal with. I think it's Time Warner. Yeah. There's all this local stuff. Well, that's, that's the thing is, you know, is is talking about. Um, just the the nichifying of television and the, and the spreading of media across different platforms and yeah. you know most many people under twenty five not even having cable anymore mm-hmm. and you know but then on top of it uh, fights between cable companies and content providers for carriage rights and all this crazy stuff is that um, one thing that I have heard is that the only reason that cable and satellite still exists in the form that it does is because it still has sports one hundred percent so once yeah. sports goes away. So it's funny to me that they're having all these high-level battles with like deep cable channels like, oh, carriage rights, carriage rights. And it's like, yeah, but you're barely holding on to this as a structure of how... Well, I'd, I'd like to know why when I turn on Nessun, I get Nessun out here, thanks to mm-hmm. the wonderful package from AT&T U-verse. Why are the games <laughs> blacked out here? What? The game, the all of the baseball games on all of the... I have the Phoenix network, I have the Nessun network, yeah. they're all blacked out. I don't know why that I don't blacked know. out. That's really weird. I mean, I don't mind that much. I can turn my app on and watch it on MLB. So sports drives television and porn drives the internet. <laughs> but that's true. But it's true because you need to watch both live. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? what are you watching? Wait, what kind of porn and where do I get it? I, I just made that joke up and then I'm like, oh, that's not bad actually. Um, no, this. I like to go to Sports Tube yeah, and watch yeah, some yeah. really sports hot tube. plays. That's true. That's the only thing. I think MLB does a great job with their with their advanced media stuff, except so, for not allowing clips on. Where YouTube. is it transitioning, and how long do you think? How long do you envision that 
uh, sports will hold this kind of tenuous structure of cable television together. Well, there have been political attempts to kind of change this thing. Like the way that we consume TV, let's say you don't watch sports at all. You're paying five something a month for ESPN. You're paying all this money for all these channels what? that you don't watch. Yeah. I'm fucking bullshit. That's why I'm employed. So thanks, Chris. <laughs> I appreciate welcome. it. You're welcome. But that's the thing. And so um, John McCain and another senator, they put, they put forth a, a bill that said it's going to be a la carte. That you could just go, okay, I, I, I like whatever it is. Nick at night, this, this, this. I'm going to buy this stuff. And that's the end of it. And theoretically, that could be better. But probably what would happen is things would become more expensive. You'd get 10 channels for your $100 a month or whatever, 50, whatever it is. And you know what's funny? What, what's funny about that is that people would complain more about spending the same amount of money for less channels, even though they wouldn't watch the other 90 channels. Probably. Like, oh, but I want those other channels. But you don't watch them. Yeah, I know, but I don't want to pay for yeah, but you're not watching them. Yeah, and- but you missed the joys of like flipping around and finding a channel called Nouveau that was playing in Living Color on a Saturday. Or, I don't or know what that the, is. It sounds exactly. amazing. It was great. Or like the Rural Farming District channel or whatever it is, like RFD, like that <laughs> channel where it's like, oh, I'm watching the Uncle Joe, Crazy Joe Polka show in the middle, and <laughs> yeah, then and tractor auctions. Like I have the Texas Longhorns uh, like yeah. sport network owned by ESPN. Channel yeah. surfing is dead. Like I haven't channel surfed in so long because usually I when do you're it surfing, you're just surfing guys. I, I watch the six, you know, the Thrones the, and the, the shows other, that everybody the, watches in sports. That's the it. other thing too is that I think that you know that there's something about our personalities that. Um, it's it's almost like the um, the anxiety of choice, yeah. where most people would not really want to have to cherry pick everything. They just if for efficient for emotional efficiency's sake, just want to say, I just give me one thing that has like fifty things, and don't make me pick each one of them because That's I don't why have the time. Tasting menus are great. Listen, I, I I'm I agree with you. I would much rather go. I'll take Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, yeah. AMC, IFC, HBO. Like these are the only things mm-hmm. that I want. I work on a lot of those. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was weird. That was a weird choice of networks, but, Chris. Uh, but <laughs> Didn't hear BBC America in there. <laughs> I, I, I would take BBC America as well. I would take BBC America as well. <laughs> Fast, too. Like, he reeled them all off yeah. in like 0.1 boom, seconds. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, Matt, Matt, Matt's hands are basically made of uh, uh, just little, like, syringes, and he'll just poke holes in <laughs> Like, no matter how big of a bubble you're trying to grade, he'll just go, book, 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 and then, psh. I get that. I can yeah. see that. It's a, it's a skill. It's all I have. Uh, <laughs> if I had said BBC America, he would have figured out something else and be like, but you didn't say this. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't think people necessarily want to go through and, and create their own menu that way because it's almost too stressful to be like, right, what do I want? Like, yeah. then people have to be confronted with making a decision. Then they have to start asking, who am I? What do I like? Now I'm going to have to start talking to my family. All the big questions that people don't want to have to answer when they're really put under a microscope. But, I mean, the bubble might be a real thing, whether it's a la carte or some other manifestation of it, where it's just like the the revenue is, you know, it's just exponential. It's like the tulip craze of whatever 200 years ago or like the dot-com craze of the 90s. Like this, everything that goes nuts eventually is going to at least taper off if I not think maybe crash. I think it's hardware-driven. I think it's hardware-driven. Mm. I, I think when a piece of hardware shows up that essentially makes – uh, internet and television the exact same thing just in terms of the interface right and and we're getting close and you know maybe that's Xbox one maybe that's ps4 yeah. maybe that's a Roku box maybe that's an Apple T- an Apple television set or something that unites that truly unites all the platforms in terms of how regular people can consume those things and that switching channels is you know you're switching channels for everything yeah uh, and that networks essentially become 
apps, you know, then I think that's when everything will start to, to change. MLB is super smart. So, like, I watch MLB TV, which is an internet app, on my TV via Roku. Right. I have an internet TV, whatever. So they're, they're on it. They're like, oh, Roku's not going to get us. We're just going to get in bed with Roku. Like, it might happen. You might be right. But they're anticipating all this stuff. I can't speak to other sports. I don't cover them as closely mm-hmm. or really much at all. Well, but baseball's NBA on app. it. There's an NBA app to yeah. watch NBA too, And there's an NFL app. And there's an NHL app. They're on it. They're really on it. So I don't know. Come on, Highlight. Where's your fucking app, Highlight? Step Should it up. Be. Scoop ball. <laughs> Scoop ball. <scoop. laughs> Go watch one highlight match and then say... I've seen plenty of scoop ball Death handball. You need to call it death handball. Death handball. That's the problem. We played a lot of scoop ball uh, down in Hyannis. (laughs) Hey, this has to be the not-too-distant future. It's death handball. They're They're all inmates... If they're prisoners, and we and then people die in the this end. Great. Then, then I'll EP that shit. I'm in. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Matt Damon has to get up there to play the final game. How is That's Bill good. Simmons to work for? Is uh, uh, Skeletor type brutal? Skeletor type. Um, uh, I literally saw him like an hour ago. There's no pressure. So no, he's. Do you have an he, evil staff? Does he? Are you? Honestly, I, I, you can believe that I'm BSing or not. I have Bill like Simmonsing. <laughs> 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 Just like watching his face. Yeah, no, not, not like that. Um, the people there are incredibly nice. The first day that they hired me, they said there's one rule about working for Granlin. So Granlin, for people who don't know, it's we cover sports and we cover pop culture. So yeah. we're we're talking about True Detective or Jay Z or all this stuff. And the one thing that they said when they, they, you know, we have to have some level of competence, but they said no assholes. That was the number one rule. And people are super nice. And Simmons is crazy supportive. And my immediate, more, more immediate bosses are great. And it's just, it's great. And the thing that I really love about it is it's a total meritocracy. So in your business, in my business, in whatever business, there's a lot of kind of tenure. You know, it's, oh, so-and-so. Well, they've, they've always had this reputation, so they're going to keep getting gigs or whatever. And maybe they're not good anymore. And in my bit, like I'm 39. I'm an old guy for my publication. It's really, oh, this person's 25. They're great. They have a blog or they're writing for this little thing, whatever. We're going to give them a bigger platform. It's totally like that. They're trying to... Simmons and Dan Fearman and my, and my bosses and all these people, they're trying to create opportunities and just give people a shot. I think that's awesome. Like, it's really cool. That I, I, even, though, you know, even though my interests lie where they lie, I still, uh, Grantland is an amazing example of how to build oh, a cool. thing. And, Thank and, you. I, and I've seen, you know, I see some parallels between Nerdist and Grantland. I, I feel like mm-hmm. um, Grantland uh, is certainly a site that I've looked at and gone, oh, okay, they do this this way. This mm-hmm. is really this is really an intelligent way to do this. But I think what – I don't know Bill at all. I've never even met him. But He'd I be good to have on the podcast. I'd love to have him on the podcast. Yeah. But, but what he, he's invited anytime he wants. But I, I, I think the structure of what he's built is genius. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 I, and I also think recognizing you know, in a way that I didn't recognize early on, which is, like you said – there is a crossover between these sports and pop culture touch Big points. And, and I think he's done that better than anybody. He has. And what's cool is th- this is now a model. I feel like we were maybe at the forefront of this thing. And now, so Nate Silver is this 538 thing. It's become this big thing. ESPN owns it. There's a guy named Ezra Klein who's a pretty prominent journalist who was with the Washington Post. Eh, he leaves the Washington Post. He goes and does this other stuff. Uh, Glenn Greenwald, who's a guy who broke the Edward Snowden stuff. He's with this other thing, these other people who are trying to muckrake. So it's this decoupling. It's not, oh, the New York Times and the Washington Post controls everything anymore. It's this person is so good, so talented, so charismatic, so smart. We need to give him or her a platform and then we're going to build around that person that's amazing that's total meritocracy well, yeah. and i'm all for it's it it's also flipping it's also more of a um 
It's also more of a bottom-up model where it's like yes. where content is the king as opposed to like the Hearst Corporation has said that this person has been anointed the new. It's, hey, you know, um, everyone can have a platform now. So what if we just assembled a really good, smart team of nice people and then just got our information out that way? You know, I mean, it really is. But then do you feel like and maybe this is a question for Bill if he ever yeah. comes on. But. You know, as we all kind of grow, how do we not become like the faceless corporation, you know, or is that inevitable? I mean, I have Mickey Mouse on my paycheck, so I'm very aware. <laughs> There's no cognitive dissonance here. No, I, I think that you you try to bring in new blood constantly and you try to listen to people from outside the organization. I mean, it's, you know, it can become insular. So if you've got like ESPN has an ombudsman who's actually pretty good. Okay, so you listen to the ombudsman and maybe they're going to talk about a Grantland thing. Or there are, there's all kinds of media critics out there. And you know, normally it's, well, you don't read the comments. You're not supposed to read the comment section of your article. Maybe there is some value. You know, for every you know, eight pieces of, of signal or of noise, there could be two pieces of signal that you need to pay attention to. I mean, I really try hard to solicit criticism from people because how the hell am I going to get better otherwise? Isn't it funny that people assume that we as content creators don't like criticism because we react sometimes to I think I think people have to do a better job of actually doing what is more literally criticizing as opposed to just yes. you fucking suck mm-hmm. oh okay well that wasn't very nice what's well, wrong kids take criticism no that's not a criticism that's an insult a criticism is hey um, you know this it's what pe- Matt Myra does yeah <laughs> <laughs> this this piece and whenever someone's actually critical in in a you know like whenever it's intelligent discourse yep. I absolutely will listen to people and go, oh, that's a really interesting idea, and mm-hmm. here's why we couldn't do that this way. Or, hey, you know, we'll try to implement that. But I think people think that criticizing just means, hey, fuck you, your thing sucks. Like, no, that's not criticism. That's just lobbying insults. But criticism, actual literal criticism, is always welcome because I don't know everything, and it's some, you never know how, you're, how things are being presented or coming off. But like sometimes your audience needs to tell you that. And I feel like what you're doing, what Granlin is doing, you've created this thing. Like you didn't really have a mentor. Well, maybe you did, but you didn't have a person who was like in charge and then they kind of bestowed it to you. You just, okay, now it's Nerdist Industries. Now it's Granlin. Like Simmons has to run all this stuff. I, I, I don't think he's a journalism school guy, for instance. So, I mean, he really is obviously tied into all this stuff, but he, you know, there are certain things that he would need to bring in other editors who bring different skills and different writers who bring in different. He used to write about baseball quite a bit, actually. And then he said, you know what? I have all this other stuff. In addition to the fact that they wanted to build a multifaceted website, it, it's better for him, probably, if he has some person who's so hardcore about baseball that he doesn't need to be tied into everything else because he produces films and he's running a staff and he writes about basketball and, all, and he's on TV and all this other That's stuff. The thing is that the, it's, it, it's exciting and then also scary sometimes because you know, I would talk to you – know, as, as Nerdist was kind of growing, I would, so I would have these conversations with my manager and, we'd, and, and he would go – it's weird because there aren't really a lot of mentors for specifically what you're doing. Yes. Because it's very – because you do this part and this part and this part and no one's really done it quite in that way. So who's your mentor? Who do you talk to? And I go, I don't know. And I wonder if Bill had some of the – I mean that's not to say that person wasn't out there. I just couldn't think of who was quite you know in front of the camera but also produced, produced yeah. and then also wrote and then also had to run the business part and then also had to go do this other piece. Larry Lucchino. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? Red Sox press. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> um, no, I think that's right, and I think that's more credit, honestly, to people that are able to do this thing where you're literally you're just flying around without a you don't have a roadmap, you don't know what you're doing. The truth is, most people in life, no matter what they're doing, are guessing at a lot of it. 
<laughs> and, and and taking That's it back definitely the case with parenting. Take I will it, tell you ta- that right taking now. Taking it back, taking it back to taking it back to sports. Yeah. is is you know with anything you do have these in these stats in your head mm-hmm. that you run consciously or unconsciously and go well the probability is based on all these things in this situation and knowing what my percentages are with this and what my success rate is this this will probably be the outcome no okay well now I'll try this approach you know so I think it's. You know, it's just being okay uh, fucking up so that you can get data. It's this whole idea of valuing process over results, which is really easy if you're kind of stepping back and you're in a think tank. But if you're making decisions that affect your life or your ability to pay your mortgage or whatever it is and you fuck up, it's not so easy to say, wow, that was a 10%, 10th percentile outcome, but it happened. You just – you do have to do that. You have to kind of go with the odds and just keep going that way. Now – what can happen is if you keep being wrong, then maybe you miscalculated the odds. You do have to have – your brain has to be churning when you're doing it. But yeah, I do think that the process of it – of whatever it is you do in life should be more important than the results. It's very hard because it's, oh, you're show bombed even though you had a great uh, group of writers or well, we're, this we're, we're, result, we're a result-oriented yeah. culture and so it's like that's a pass, that's a fail. It's like no, but it's not quite – it doesn't really work that way. It's – Everything is potentially a success depending on how you dissect it, right. you know? And so, um, by the way, I've said data and data this time. I always They're both fl- flip-flop. Um, data is uh, head Star of operations. Trek, yeah. That's right. <laughs> on Star Trek. Data is, is his brother. Goonies. Who, okay. No, he's um, but, uh, but what I will say to people is that, and this, this should make you more comfortable with whatever you're doing in life, is that failure equals data i mean everything equals data but failure really equals data because once you know that there's a thing a tangible thing that you can get out of it like your postmortem for the red sox the 2011 red sox season or whatever it's that will be information that will be useful to someone at some point either yourself or another group of people and that's why it's okay to fuck things up is that failure equals data well and i give credit to organizations that can pull the strings and look at things objectively and say you know what by the classical term this has failed so far but we're going to stick with it like if you think about some of the best tv shows cheers had no ratings in season one seinfeld didn't really do that well in season one parks i mean Parks got a little bit better. Didn't obviously wasn't as exponential as the other one, but it really it struggled a little bit at the beginning. And the producers stayed with it, and the network stayed with it, and everything was fine. And that is like the mantra of Grandland: it's go and do ambitious stuff. And if you fail, I mean, we have the ability to junk things where it doesn't run. That's obviously a little bit different, but still, it's just like you're empowered to do things that are going to be provocative and interesting and whatever. And we're going to put money and resources behind it. Very very hard for Hollywood, obviously, but the success stories are multitude of things that looked like they were going to fail and became huge successes. Well, it's easier to fail on the internet too. I mean, it's easier for something something to not fly on the internet because on television, everyone is looking at it to walk out onto stage. You know, the way something succeeds or fails on success succeeds or fails on the internet is that, um, it gets passed around a lot. And so if it doesn't get passed around a lot, it's technically a failure but then not a lot of people see it, so it's not that big of a, you know, it's technically not that big of a thing. Or the internet also has a very short memory that you could make something that really sucks, but then the next week you could make something that's amazing and they'd be fun, you know. So yeah. it is. Failure equals data. Uh, that's, I, what are we at now, Katie? We have 120. All right, we got to wrap it up. But um, this has been a wonderful uh, conversation. Oh, cool. I'm thrilled to have you. And come back on in the fall, like when there's, Sportsy stuff, and uh, <laughs> we'll. Uh... There's baseball happening soon. Uh, theoretically, I should 
plug the book. Yes. Plug, yes, plug everything you want to yeah. plug. Plug everything you want to no, plug. Grantland, plug podcast. Uh, Grantland.com is great. The book is called Up, Up, and Away. I think we're, we were talking about airing this like March 24 or something like that. Yeah, you're, you're on the calendar schedule. for yeah, something. You're on the calendar for whatever date we decide. Right. So do, March yeah. 25 is when the book comes out. And honestly, if you don't give a fig about the expos or whatever, it's just like it's storytelling. It's I talk to everybody in the history of this it's whole good. franchise. I'm halfway through it. And I didn't, I don't, I mean, I'm not a big National League baseball fan anyway. But uh, I've been enjoying it so far. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. No, it, it's storytelling. It's just like it's, it's like you said, that if you find something that somebody is passionate about, it's worth consuming. God damn. Nobody's more passionate about the Montreal fucking Expos than I am. <laughs> Ever. Like, you know, it's just it's like you are a kid and this is the thing that you love the most. And then you're paid to write a book about it. It's crazy. I mean, even just the fascinating story of the preface, uh, the preface of this book oh, good. is great. Like, just pick that up and read that if you're in a physical bookstore by chance. Or check out the Amazon preview, then buy the book. Yeah, and there's history and there's politics. Like it's not, it's not. I'm, I, despite being a stats guy, there's no stats in this book. It's just all storytelling. So up, up and away. You can pre-order on Amazon, and it'll be out in every bookstore in the universe. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's a good read. Follow Jonah Carey on Twitter at Jonah Carey. J O N A H K E R I. I correctly spelled my own name. <laughs> good. Well done. <laughs> well done. Uh, it's been nice to see you, man. Please tell the. Uh, well, I don't really. I know a couple people at Grantland, but I don't know that many people at Grantland. Well, I mean, I do know that Bill did say on a BS report that if I don't get on Talking Bad, Chris Harwick is dead to me. So, <laughs> wow. you know, I tried to... That's dead. very specific. I'll tell dead. you this, too. Um, I, did, uh, I did try to get him on Talking Bad, but the booking on Talking Bad was not... I have, I have no control over it. Mm. It was uh, uh, AMC and Sony booked the show, and so I did say we should get bill simmons on and they said well killed. but we have uh well, how do you, you know, think he felt when he saw his old buddy kimmel sitting up there on the last one and no bill simmons well jimmy was uh jiminy kimmel was uh <laughs> that was from a simpsons episode marge goes jiminy kimmel <laughs> um he was doing that he was having them on his he was hosting right. that event for aaron and um after the thing so so he was on and uh, we were on an email chain all together. Jimmy sent an email chain. It was me and Bill and a couple other people. Mm-hmm. And I side wrote, I crossed oh. it off. I side wrote to Bill and I was like, outside right on an email. Mm-hmm. I said, I said, hey, I'm really sorry that um, the talking bad didn't thing work out, but I'll do whatever you want to promote whatever you want. Come on, nerds, whatever. And then he never responded. So well, you sidetracked the email. The dude, I mean, I'm sure you do too, but he gets 85,000 emails a day. I mean, like, yeah, but this was from me. Yeah, but Chris, oh, I know. Not, I mean, you, I you understand. Listen, so ascribe positive uh, motivations to people. <laughs> Just assume that it got lost in the inbox. And it's fine. He's a very good dude. But I am. But I. But I am sorry that he was never on Talking Bad because I thought he would have been a phenomenal he, guest. Yeah. But but the but the line of people to get on that show was like people were clamoring to get they on that show because they love Breaking Bad. So yeah. that's why we got fucking Sam Jackson and Don Cheadle and. You know, uh, I feel like Bill's a little higher profile than Don Cheadle. I think Bill would have been on certain segments. He's like crazy. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If Bill Simmons comes on the podcast, I will shoot a separate episode of Talking <laughs> Bad just with Bill. Oh, I want to see that breakdown in here. No audience. It's just like with the couch. I didn't no, say we how just, we were going right, to do right. it. I let's just said we would. At the commissary, we'll yeah. just redress the wall, Talking Dead set. <laughs> Done. We'll just put. Uh, I'll just put Aaron Paul over Carl's body, his face over Carl's body, and then Heisenberg I mean, over. We could get. It'd be Rick. a funny video to do if we just had Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul reluctantly show up to this Talking Dead, <laughs> where there's no audience and he's just doing you a favor. 
And it's been Bill Simmons yeah. and Bill's yeah. there. It's just, it's just doing you the favor of having Bill That's Simmons. So that, Aaron would do that too because yes, he's I really know. fucking cool. I would. I, he would, yes. All right. I'll excellent. write it. We'll figure it out one way or another. Uh, but Jonah, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks and, for having uh, me. And I, I have actually developed a much greater appreciation for, <laughs> for sports things than I did before. And I, I That's appreciate good. it. And data is the common de- data. Data is the common denominator. It's yeah. all good. Go out there and play some scoop ball, everybody. Enjoy your scoop ball burrito. Enjoy your scoop ball. Enjoy Death your pizza burrito. Scooper bowl. Scooper. Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Hey grown-ups, the Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.